Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anybody else need a copy of the notes? Kindly raise your hand if you would. And let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to your word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad that God gave us life's road map? And Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And we can follow the teachings of the Word, knowing that it leads us into eternal glory with Him. It's our instructional roadmap that teaches us all that we need to know. And so thank God we can come together and study it here today. This morning I want to talk to you about living to please God. Living your life to please God. Now I know you didn't come here to see some, you know, some, or hear some seeker-friendly message. Or did you? No. Did you come to be challenged this morning? Did you bring your steel-toed shoes this morning? I brought mine because I knew what I was preaching. So I have them on. I worked in the mill. They're, they're good. They helped. Keep your toes safe. But there's nothing wrong with being challenged in your walk with God, is there? And we all need to be challenged. First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, we read... Furthermore, then we beseech, notice the word beseech you, brethren, and exhort, notice the word exhort you, beseech and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Notice this, this is the will of God. Someone says, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Okay. Every single one of us lives to please someone. You can live to please yourself, and that's a self-pleaser. You can live to please others or people, and that's a people-pleaser. Or you can live to please God, and that's a what? A God pleaser. And I believe every Christian, every believer should want to live their life to please God. Not self and not others. Right? We want to please Him. In, in our conduct, our character, our attitude, our behavior, our speech, etc., etc. Well, notice the two words that we singled out. Paul used the word beseech and exhort. And those two words revealed to us the fact that Paul was very concerned about how they were living their lives. And there may have been an area of their lives that they were displeasing God in. Now the word beseech means to beg, to plead, to urge. 
He wasn't being harsh with them, but he was pleading with them, urging them, begging them. And then exhort. It means to advise. It means to warn. It means to incite to action. So you could sum it all up by just saying, Paul, in these particular verses, he was urging them or pleading with them to stop doing things that were displeasing to God and start doing things that are pleasing to God as far as their conduct was concerned. And in this context, what's he talking about? Uh, obviously, it's, it's sexual immorality. And you have to remember, when people first get saved, they're not instantly changed. Especially when you consider the background where these churches were established. Especially the Corinthian church, it was completely surrounded by all kinds of sexual immorality. And Paul addressed the subject very much with those people. So here he's talking about living a lifestyle that would be pleasing to God. And what I want to do then is to list some things here for us found in Scripture that will better help us understand how we too can live our lives pleasing to God. So we're going to talk about some of those things this morning. And number one on the top of the list is faith. Faith. And why is that? Because Hebrews chapter 11 verses 5 and 6 make it very clear why it should be at the top of the list. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God but without faith it is it's what it's what impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so if it's impossible to please him without faith faith obviously should be at the top of the list right because it's impossible otherwise and notice who it's talking about Enoch and if you don't know the story of Enoch Enoch was translated you know what that means he didn't taste death he didn't die he was just translocated to heaven how would you like that for a ride Hmm? also him and Elijah you know the chariot took him straight to heaven those are the two that we recognize were never, they didn't taste death they just were translocated and taken out of the earth and straight to heaven and we believe they may be the two prophets that are coming back Okay, but look at Jude in Jude there's only one chapter so verses 14 through 16 did you know this about Enoch and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurous complainers walking after their own lust and their mouths speaketh great swelling words having men's persons in admiration because of advance. Enoch, way back when, before he left, was talking about the day when, obviously, judgment would come and fall upon all ungodliness. All the way back then. So apparently he stood in the office of a prophet, which we don't know a whole lot about that, but he did obviously prophesy some things about end time events that will be occurring. So, Enoch please God by faith he believed that day would come and so he acted accordingly now as he lived his life upon the earth so faith is important to pleasing God as a matter of fact did you know we can offend God if we don't trust him look at the book of Isaiah chapter 8 and this is from the Amplified Bible 
And if, in case you're unaware of it, the Amplified has a new version. And if you just see AMP, then it's the new version. It's an updated version. But then the AMPC is the classic version. So this is actually the classic virgin, version. Listen to what it says. The Lord of hosts, regard him as holy and honor his holy name by regarding him as your only hope of safety. And let him be your fear and let him be your dread, lest you offend him by your fear of man and distrust of him. And he shall be a sanctuary, a sacred and indestructible asylum to those who reverently fear and trust in him. So if we trust him, we reverently fear and trust him and not man or what man can do unto us. It pleases him. But when we're trusting in other things, that displeases him. And that's understandable. Who's greater than the God that you serve? Who's more powerful than the God that we serve? No one and nothing. What circumstance is bigger than the God that we face? That, we, that, we, that is on our side. What circumstance can we face in life that can overcome our God? Not even the giant before David. And so God wants us to trust him. Do you remember when Paul was on the boat and the boat was going down because of the, the hurricane winds and all that was taking place when he was there on the boat? Remember that story in Acts chapter 27? And remember how after 14 days, everybody gave up all hope that they would be saved. In other words, we're all going to die. All the experts that were there that were the sailors that understood and knew what was going on said, this is it. There is no hope. And yet an angel stood by the apostle Paul and said, Paul, fear not, because I'm telling you right now, you've got to go to Rome and you've got to preach. He said, so I'm, you're going to be spared and so will all the people be spared if they will but listen to you. So in other words, at a time of crisis, when the waves were beating against the boat saying there's no hope, when the blackened sky was saying there is no hope, when the thunder and the lightning was saying there is no hope, when the winds were blowing, the gale force winds were blowing and they said there is no hope, when out there in the sea with all the swells that were taking place, there is no hope, when everything, including the distance where they were at, the rocks were crying out, there is no hope, there is no hope, there is no hope, there is no hope. Paul was saying, but I believe, but I believe, but I believe, and I believe, I believe, I believe answered every single one of them saying I believe and what happened they were spared he trusted God he believed in God so what are we facing today and that includes all of us because we will face obstacles won't we we will face mountains of adversity won't we circumstances that are adverse won't we God wants us to say okay my head can understand it you know logically thinking it doesn't make any sense to me I'm facing a mountain, I'm facing a giant, I'm facing this, I'm facing that. But you know what? I'm just going to settle back and just say, I trust you. I trust you. My faith is in you. My eyes are upon you. Like Jehoshaphat's, my eyes are on you. I'm trusting in you, your goodness. You know, faith basically is this. The leading of the entire personality on God in Christ, in full assurance and absolute trust in his, his goodness, his wisdom, and his power. And so you're saying, I trust you. I trust you. Let the wind blow. Let the waves speak out. Let all the creaking in the, the ship cry out and say no hope. But I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. You know, that makes him so happy when he hears you say that. I trust you. Number two is to be spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded pleases God. Look at Romans chapter 8 beginning at verse 6. What it says. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because why? The carnal mind is enmity or an active force of rebellion against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot what? Cannot what? Please God. Did you know once you get saved, there's nothing more important than getting your mind renewed to the word of God? You could say it this way, like I heard someone say years ago, you got to get rid of the stinking thinking. Because when you get saved, you have a new life on the inside, but your head's not on straight yet. Because it's not been renewed, the word of God. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. There's going to be two things that's going to give us a whole lot of problems. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice to God, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Notice world conformity. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Transform, metamorpho. In other words, you're going to take a, a transformation take place in your life. You're going to morph into something else. It's like the caterpillar into the butterfly. You're in that, it's in that cocoon, and after a period of time, it's going to come out like a beautiful butterfly. Ever hear anybody say, what a beautiful caterpillar? Or like, Yuck. All of a sudden, it comes out as a beautiful, colorful butterfly. And everybody says, look at that beautiful butterfly. Right? When you get saved, you've got the life and nature of God on the inside of you. But on the outside, you're not going to look any different until you set yourself apart in meditation in a cocoon. Where you get alone with God and start finding out who you are on the inside, what you have on the inside. And you begin to set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth and you change the way you think and that's why we're here today and that's why we have God's word to change the way we think about things look at this this is so important are you smarter than God are you wiser than God no if I ignore this book I'm basically saying I can handle life on my own people think you're weak because you want to go to the word of God no you're smart because you want to go to the word of God because this book makes you wise to God's ways and the Bible says God's ways are not my ways and my ways are not God's ways God's ways and thoughts are higher than my ways and thoughts so guess what I better submit to his ways and thoughts and forget mine remember we talked about Peter letting down the net when Jesus said go out a little bit further in your boat let down the net for a draft of fish and what did Peter say? We've been tolling all night. We've been fishing all night. We've caught not one thing. We're professional fishermen. We know all about fishing. We know when you should fish, how you should fish, etc. And now we're exhausted. We've been doing this all night long. And we've got to clean our nets. Our nets are clean. We're going to put them away. And we're out of here. And Jesus said, but just go out there and just let down your net. It's illogical. It's unthinkable. It's laborious. You think about what they're going to be put through. But you know what he said? Just go let down your net. And they caught a draft of fish that was so much the ship began to sink it was starting to sink they had to call for the other ships to come and let down more nets and catch a draft of fish and remember the story of Naaman the leper who came and was told that if you go down there and you dip in the river Jordan seven times you will come up with no leprosy on your body anymore would you do that? now if he said the Ohio River I might think about it twice <laughs> but since he said Jordan you get my point he said, you go dip in seven times and you will come out. This is a man of prestige. This is a man of war. This is a leader. This is a captain. But he's got leprosy from head to toe. And as a result of the leprosy, you see, his life is in danger. But he's still fighting through it. And he's told there's a, there's a prophet in Israel to get you to recover, recover of your leprosy. 
So he gets down there. And when he arrives at Elisha's pad, Elijah sends out a servant. The servant comes out and says, Go, di- that's you. Go dip in the river, Jordan, seven times, and your flesh will come clean. You'll be healed of all leprosy. Any skin disease that you have is gone. This guy, under his breath, he began to say, what do you think you're talking about? I come down here, this man of great importance. You know, you don't have MSNBC here. You don't have CNN. You don't have all the CBS. You don't have uh, NBC. None of these networks. No pomp, no circumstance. I'm a person of importance. What do you think you're doing? Send out the man. I want to hear the man. You know what he said? Because I thought, I thought, he thought, oh, I'll tell you what, we get in trouble when we start to think. When we start to think for ourselves, we can get into big trouble. But I thought it should be like this, and I think it should be like that. Beloved, there is nothing more important than finding out what God thinks about it. What did God say? What does God think about it? Then saying, you know what? I may not think right. It it may seem wrong to me, like Peter, like Naaman. But you know what? I'm going to humble myself and just do what God said to do. So he got in a huff and he turned away and would start walking away from the people. And his servant said to him, well, if you just go back and if he told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you do it? Oh, yes, I would do that. He said, but go dip in the muddy river Jordan seven times and you're healed of leprosy. Are you wrong? Are you out of your mind? I guess he thought he was finally. So he went down, he dipped seven times and every layer of every dip in the muddy waters took off another layer of his pride and arrogance. And when he emerged on the seventh time, there was no leprosy. How hard was that? How easy was that? It was so simple. We need to change how we think. And what we think is not what's important. What God thinks is what's important. And today in our society, you know what? When people come to church, they want a seeker-friendly message. They want to hear what they want to hear. But you know what? Paul says, I've got to preach the whole counsel of God. You know why? Then your blood is not on my feet. It's not on my soul. It's on the person. And that's why I'm saying, beloved, it's so important. I'm not talking politics here. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about God's views. I'm talking about aligning ourselves up with God. What God said, His ways. Then you hear all that. But what's your interpretation? Could be another's interpretation. Interpret this for me. Thou shalt not commit murder. Interpret that for me. I say you shouldn't kill people. What's your interpretation? Is there something wrong with my interpretation? I think it's pretty clear. You must be born again to get into the kingdom of God. I say you must be born again. What do you say? Those that are in the flesh can't please God. There's no, there's no need for any interpretation. You know your flesh. I know my flesh. And when you're in the flesh, when I'm in the flesh, we don't please God. Could you say amen to that? Mm-hmm. You know what it means. But when you're walking in the Spirit, praise God, you'll please Him. Okay. Uh, number, th- did I give you Romans 12 yet? Okay. Look at the next, number three. Bearing good fruit. Bearing good fruit. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, verse 9, this is the prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why, Paul? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Everybody say all pleasing. Well, what's the next thing out of his mouth? Being fruitful in every good work is the first part of walking all pleasing. Did you know he wants us to be fruitful? As a matter of fact, 
If your fruit tree isn't bearing fruit, wouldn't you have some concern? If you planted an apple tree, anybody here know anything about orchards and planting trees and all that? How long does it take if you plant a tree before it bears fruit? Quite a few years. Quite a few years. You don't plant it today and tomorrow it bears fruit. It takes a while. Quite a few years. Did everybody get that? Quite a few years. You see, when someone first gets saved, it takes time. And we have to give them time to start bearing fruit. Because you don't bear fruit instantly. It takes time. Look at something that Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 15. But we're to keep this in mind so that we can be pleasing God. God is pleased when we bear fruit, fruit of righteousness. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit so shall you be my disciples. So what's the whole object of our relationship with God and our abiding in the vine is to do what? To produce fruit. To bear fruit. Well, what fruit? Well, since you ask, look at Galatians chapter 5. What, bear, what fruit should we bear? And this is from the New Living Translation. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that is the flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But let me tell you again, as I've told you, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. So does this need interpreted? When we gravitate towards the desires of the flesh, we get involved in things that displease God. Is that easily understood? When we gravitate towards the things of the recreated spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we please God. So to be a self-pleaser just... Trust me. You see, we need an anchor for the soul. Because you see, the flesh wants the soul to go that way. And you see, the spirit wants the flesh to go this way. And your soul, which is the mind, will, emotions, and intellect, is in the middle. And it's going, okay, then it's going this way. Then it's going back and forth. Uh, back. Have you been there? Mm-hmm. Right. And we need an anchor for the soul. Something to anchor our souls so that we only make the right choice. And we have a reason for it, a foundation for it. This is what God said, and that's the Word of God. Now, you know Brother Chuck's my friend, and he's always been my friend for a long time. I asked him for help the other day. If you were in healing class on Friday, you know what I'm talking about. We were driving home from Wellsville, Ohio, because we needed to um, meet with somebody there about his personal life and so we did we ministered to him etc etc all the way back home you're driving through East Liverpool how many of you know when you drive across the, the road to East Liverpool that right across the bridge is Chester West Virginia 
And how many of you know that in Chester, West Virginia, there's Frank's Bakery? <laughs> Anybody know about Frank's Bakery? Too many hands are going up right now. And so I told him, I need an anchor for my soul, Chuck. I need you to help me anchor my soul because there's a $5 chocolate cake with icing on it that's, for some reason, ought to send out signals to my car. And my car, it just wants to go that way. And so I'm just driving on the highway. And all of a sudden, the steering wheel started turning that, that way. And he says, of course, the, the man of God that he is, he said, go for it. So needless to say, I got myself a cake and a half a dozen of cookies. And I brought them home and I, 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 I exercised great discipline. I had only one little piece of the chocolate cake. That's all I'm saying. I needed someone to anchor my soul. <laughs> it's good to have somebody of like precious faith, though, to be in your corner. Iron sharpens iron, right? To sharpen the countenance of your friend. And you see, someone that you can be accountable to so that when you try to, you know, when you, you know, God's not displeased with a piece of cake, but if it's something that's a little bit that he doesn't want in our lives, it's good to have somebody you can call and just say, hey, I'm being tempted in this area. Help me. Amen. Help anchor your soul. So let's look at some of these things right here. I haven't written down just a few things. For example, if, if your situation is such and you just got saved and you're living together outside of marriage, well, then eventually you should marry. You should get out of that situation and marry. If you're cheating others, let's say in your behavior, you're dealing with, with, with their lives, then you know what? Stop, stop that and uh, deal honestly with people. Number three there, if, uh, if you're those that you abuse people with your speech, with your words, you might want to get to a place that you start using the right words and start treating people with respect and control your tongue. Uh, those who use others will start serving others rather than using others. And someone who tears down others will begin to build up others. So this is a transformation that's taking place. And there are many, many more things that we can list here for all of us. But the thing is, once you get saved, you're saved on the inside. But you've got a soul to contend with and a body to contend with. And so as a result, the mind's got to get renewed to the Word of God. And you're going to slip along the way. You're going to fall along the way. We understand that. We're all going to miss the mark. Have you ever missed the mark since you've been saved? If you've never missed the mark once since you've been saved, stand up and come up here and teach. I know we've all missed the mark, right? Got to get our minds renewed. And how many times have you said, I didn't realize that, I didn't know that. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that it was in the Bible. We've, we've all missed the mark along the way. But we've got to get our minds renewed to the Word of God so we can live the way God wants us to live, act the way God wants us to act, speak the way God wants us to speak, and do the things that God wants us to do. Amen. Okay, next, number four. Uh, notice this. He's pleased when we long to know Him better. He is pleased when we study His Word. Why? So that we can know Him better. Remember Jesus said eternal life is all about knowing Thee and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent in John's Gospel chapter 17, first couple of verses. Remember He said that? That's what eternal life is all about. Knowing God. We study the Word of God this morning to know Him. Not to come here and have a seeker-friendly message that says, you know, I just, just tell me I'm doing okay. Everything is okay. I can live the way I want to live and do what I want to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to share you, with you the whole counsel of God and let us all know this is what God said. It's up to us to make our own personal choices and decisions, but you know what? We better know what God's Word says before we do. Amen? Amen. So, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, that was the second thing he prayed about for them. To bear fruit, but then also, notice being fruitful in every work, good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, why are we to increase the knowledge of God? Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 3 made it very clear. Here is his reason why. Yea, doubtless. And Paul the Apostle, remember, before he was 
Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was in the higher upper epsilon, epsilon of the Jewish faith. Okay? And here, he's the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's the Jew of the Jew. He's the this of the that. He's the highest of all. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And I mean, he's got this knowledge. Okay? Look what he says. Yet doubtless, I, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may notice, know him, that I may know him. Why does he want this excellent, excellent knowledge? That I may know him. In other words, that I can experience him in my life, so that his life could become my life. And, that, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Notice his reason for wanting to know. Not so that he could be puffed up with knowledge that is detached from his own life so he can brag what he knows and put other people down. But he says, I want to know him so I can conform my life to his life. So I can fellowship with his suffering. And we talked about suffering on, on Friday at the healing class, the things we should suffer and things we should not suffer. We're going to suffer persecution. We're going to suffer affliction. Uh, we're going to suffer tribulation and many other things that Paul suffered. Okay, we understand that. But he wanted to conform his life to the life of Christ, to be changed into the person that Christ wanted him to be. And so why are we here today? Not to have our ears tickled. We're here today to, you know what, point out some things that if, if I'm missing it in that area, maybe pride's my area like Naaman. I need a few layers stripped off of me, then guess what? I'm going to humble myself before you, Lord, and just say, that's me. Help me. Amen. Uh, whatever it might be, whatever my situation is, I want you in my life. More of God, less of self. More of self, less of God. It's that simple. I want more of you in my life, and so I'm willing to let go of certain things from my life so I can have more of you in my life. So we don't want knowledge that is detached from our lives. We want knowledge that does what? Causes us to conform to the image of Jesus and be more like him, look like him, act like him, talk like him, behave, do the things he wants us to do. Next, number five. To lean on his power. He is pleased with our faith. He's pleased when we're spiritual mind. He's pleased when we bear good fruit. He's pleased when we long to know him better. He is pleased when we lean on his power. He loves to hear this. I know what you want me to be. I know what you want me to do. But in my own strength, that's not a possibility. And so, Lord, I give up myself and I exchange strengths with you. Because I know with your power, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. I give myself completely in surrender to you, to your will, to your ways, to your purposes for my life. And I'm longing for you to, by the power of your Holy Spirit, empower me so that I can have not just your mercy when I miss the mark, but your grace that empowers me to do the things that in my own strength I could not be able to do, but I can do them because of your power that's in my life. He wants us to yield to his power. Look uh, in, in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. This is the next thing that he said. Giving thanks, now back it up to, the, to, I'm sorry, verse 11. Can you back it up to verse 11? Well, he said, he prayed for these people that they would be able to walk worthy of him unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according unto his glorious power. Notice, unto his glorious power. So now that we have his knowledge, he wants us strengthened with his glorious power unto all suffering and 
with joyfulness. Look, look at the verse. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience, long suffering with joyfulness. So in other words, I'm not doing it in my own strength. I need your strength. I need your power to stand up against temptation, to stand against all the pressures that people put. If you're a young person and you're in school, you've got peer pressure around every corner, everywhere you go. If you're on a sports team, you've got the same thing happening there. People look at you as like an outcast because you're different. You don't go partying. You don't do this. You don't do that. Young person, I commend you on high in Jesus' precious name. And I thank you for taking a stand for Jesus Christ, Lord of all. And I just thank God that he will empower you to stand there and just say, it doesn't matter what everyone else else does let them all do it but I will not compromise my principles I believe that God strengthens me enables me to take my stand and not let relent I'm not letting go can you say amen, amen. be strong in the Lord look at Ephesians 6 10 be strong in the Lord and the power of his might he didn't say be strong in yourself he said be strong in him and the power of his might so when you sit back and you say but I just can't do it Lord yeah you're right tell him I know I can't do it but I'm not looking at myself my eyes are not on me my eyes are on you you said finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might take on yourself the whole armor of God that you can stand in the evil day we're going to face all kinds of temptations trials and persecutions and afflictions like Paul said so many that he encountered but praise God when you start saying I it's personal can it's positive do thank God God, I, it's, it's practical. All things, praise, it's pervasive. Through Christ, it's providential. Who strengthens me, it's powerful. I can do it because I'm not doing it in my own strength or ability. I'm doing it in His. It's in His power. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what He wants us to say. Then look at the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 33. I love this section of Scripture. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all with great what power gave they witness to the resurrection they were taken aside they were abused they were uh, afflicted they were persecuted they were told don't they were threatened don't you ever preach and teach in the name of Jesus ever again so they go back to their own company and they begin to tell them what they said all the leaders said they told us not to preach or teach ever ever again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ but you know what Lord can you hear their threatenings you see what they're telling us to do or not to do our eyes are upon you you made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is who are they that they think they can tell us what to do when you're the creator of the heavens and the earth and the universe universe and you're the one that told us what to do so should we obey God or should we obey man but you know what Lord behold their threatenings and grant to your servants boldness to preach and teach thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal and signs and wonders are wrought by the name of the holy child Jesus and when they prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spanked the word of God in the power of the spirit and there was great power upon them so when you find yourself sitting back and saying I can't do it well then they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they'll rise up with wings as eagles they'll run and not weary they'll walk and not faint praise God because you're operating in God's strength and not your own and when you say you can't do it guess what you're right where he wants you to be humble but make sure you add on to it I can't do it in my strength but in yours I can do all things it's, it's through your power the next one uh, number six Offer the proper sacrifices. Offer the proper sacrifices. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Verses 15 and 16. This pleases God when we offer the proper sacrifices. Remember sacrifice. What it is. Usually you don't like doing it. You got to sacrifice this for that. 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such what? Sacrifices, God is well pleased. So that by him, we don't offer up bulls and bullocks. And we don't offer up turtle doves and pigeons. We don't offer up little lambs before the Lord. We offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name and doing good and communicating praise God to others because with this sacrifice, God is well pleased. So if God is well pleased with that, then every believer should be doing what? You should be praising him from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. You say, but what about my difficult situation? All the more reason to praise him because he inhabits the praises of his people. And if he lives big in your praise and big in your light, it'll just burst that thing asunder, praise God, and destroy the work of the enemy. So I'm praising you, Father God, from morning to night, morning, noon, and night. I'm going to praise you and honor you. And by the way, in the process, I'm going to do good to other people because I know if I do good everywhere I go, you're well pleased with me. Do you ever want to give someone a piece of your unrenewed mind? Anybody here? Do you ever want to give them the love, walking in love, you know, in love, of course. Tell me you never felt that way. You have often felt that way, right? But you didn't respond to that. You didn't react to that. What you did was said, no, 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 that's not the right thing to do. I'm going to let vengeance be the Lord's. And when you let God take vengeance upon someone or something, it's like pouring heaping coals of fire on their head when you do that. So if someone wrongs you, when someone is like, identified as your enemy, do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you. And speak well of those that speak evil of you. That you may be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's talking about the lifestyle that we live. But notice he always tells you why. You do it because it's like pouring heaping coals of fire. You can actually say in the background, ha ha. What I can do to you can't compare to what God can do to you. So if you think what I can do to you is bad, you better wait and see what God's going to do to you. You don't want his hand of vengeance upon you. I guarantee you that right now, praise God. But you can sit back and just say, sick him, Lord. Sick him, Lord. Can you see that? Amen. Oh, glory to God. It was, it was the piece of cake that did it. Look at the next one. Live thankful lives. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Live thankful lives. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints alike, who delivered us from the powers of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His Son, and whom we have redemption through His blood, even the remission of the forgiveness of sins. So he's saying here, because of our inheritance, because of our deliverance, because of our translation, because of our redemption, because of the forgiveness of sin, did you hear all those things? We should be thankful and God is well pleased when we say thank you thank you thank you I thank you for my inheritance I thank you for my deliverance I thank you for my translation from the kingdom of darkness to light I thank you that I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and I thank you that no matter what praise God I am forgiven and it's good to be forgiven thank you thank you thank you and because I am, thank God I know when I leave this earth, I know where I'm going to be with you in glory forever. No matter what can come against us in this life, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We know our final destination is with him on the other side. Praise God. Aren't you glad you know where you're heading? You know where you're going? 
Amen. And so God wants us to be thankful. Ask yourself, how thankful am I? If you want to live a life that's well-pleasing to God, be thankful. Not for the situation, but in the situation, in everything we're told to give thanks. Not for it, but in it. Amen. And what happens? You get God's attention when you do. And finally, number seven. Eight. Number eight. Obedience. 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 I'm telling you, God loves it when we obey Him. And do what He tells us to do. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Look at this. Now ladies. Just meditate <laughs> wives submit to your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord when my wife and I went through premarital counseling brother John Eckhart said is there something that you want me to bring up while we're having these meetings I said yes submission <laughs> my wife proceeded to pick up her purse and smack me in the stomach with it and said I am submissive let's move on Next subject. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Hmm. Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Servants, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers. But in singleness of heart. Fearing God. And whatsoever you do. Do it heartily as to the Lord. And not to men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. You see how when you become a Christian. You're dealing with your flesh. And your soul needs to be renewed. And your lifestyle afterwards. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be changed. You've got to be educated in the Word of God. If I was a young person right now, uh, I would want to believe because of the education that I have, the knowledge that I have. I'd like to be a young person with what I know right now. If it's well-pleasing that I obey my parents, I would obey my parents and do everything they tell me to do. Why? It's well-pleasing to the Lord. Wife, submit to your husband. But husband, treat your wife with love. And then parents, make sure that you don't become overbearing with regard to your children. But surround them with love. But young people, see to it that you obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right and it's well-pleasing in the sight of Almighty God. And so if we'll do these things and when you go to work, work for, as if you're working for the Lord. Do it heartily from your heart. This is well-pleasing to God. Whenever we do these things that he's talking about right here, we are living a life that is well-pleasing to God. God is pleased with it. And what does that do? It puts you in a place where you're under his divine grace you're surrounded by his favor his hand of blessing is upon you and he starts bless your coming in and going out in the city in the field in the basket in the store all that you set your hand to do will prosper and no weapon form against you will prosper why because you're doing it God's way you're living life God's way this text this last verse well next to the last verse of scripture in first Corinthians 15 I mean first chronicle first Samuel 15 it's the cake <laughs> the icing was so good Remember the story of Samuel? Samuel going to Saul and saying to Saul, who said, I did everything the Lord told me to do. And Samuel said, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah, I did. He said, well, what's this bleeding of the sheep? We told you, God told you to destroy everything, but yet you saved them. But then he had a reason for that. He was going to explain, you see, he justified his actions. And of course, he blamed people and not himself. Remember that? 
Okay? And so Samuel said, no, you violated the law of God. You disregarded the word of God. You're not pleasing God in what you did. Your behavior was wrong. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is, is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as, the, as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. What a rejection. So notice how he, he uh, kind of puts them together. Witchcraft, rebellion, sorcery, getting involved in stuff that is evil. God wants us to obey him on every front and every level. Can you say amen? And remember, this word was given to straighten out our thinking and to make us think right be, and then also behave right and act right. Now, are you going to get there overnight? Absolutely not. Don't get defeated in this. You're not going to get there overnight. How long does it take for a tree to bear fruit? Quite a few years. Okay, so if you stay in the word, you'll get to a place you start realizing that you're being changed and transformed. But be like Naaman, start dipping in the muddy waters, getting a layer off, dip, dip in again, get another layer off. So in conclusion, we understand that, that God is pleased when we live by faith, mind spiritual things, bear good fruit, study to show ourselves approved and to know him better. When we learn to uh, lean on his power, make proper sacrifices, live thankful lives and obey him. But look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. You got your shouting clothes on? You got your shouting clothes on? You ready? When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Take that verse to the bank, hold it up before heaven, take it to the throne, and say, Father... I'm doing everything in my power to please you. And you said, if I would please you, you'd make even my enemies to be at peace with me. So I believe that your hand of divine favor is upon me everywhere I go. And you surround me, praise God, with your presence and your power, enabling me to rise up above any challenge I face in this life. Let's all stand together for the Lord, before the Lord and praise him. Hallelujah for taking a position against our enemies. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins. 
and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.